You see, it's kind of a shotgun pattern. The, the actual layout is actually really good. You see that? You've got the, the oval brood. That's good. And you see the, the uh, pollen pattern, the pollen arc, and the honey in the corner. That's good. But, but seeing how spotty in, and you've got old brood and young brood and capped pupae, it's just blah, blah, blah. My guess what's happening here is this colony is about ready to collapse from parasitic mite syndrome. That's what's a, you haven't been taking care of the mites. And there's a gazillion mites in there, and they're about ready to kill the colony because there's so many. Now think about this. A mite to a bee is about the same as having a, a teacup saucer-sized tick attached to you. Okay, so imagine a tick about that big around and about that flat stuck to your back or abdomen somewhere. That's about the size proportion to the bee with the little varroa mites. So, you know, you see this kind of thing. Uh, these guys are in trouble. They need, they need help. Uh, they can be helped. And, and we'll talk about uh, treatment in a little bit here. So, so I want to talk about these, uh, these queen cells. There's two kinds of queen cells. One is called a supersedure cell. And typically, a supersedure cell is on the top third. Usually, it's going to be like inside up here, the top third of your frame. The supersedure cell is the bees deciding they want to replace their queen. They want to supersede her. The, the interesting relationship is the queen really sets the personality of the hive. If she's got nasty genetics, they will all be, I mean, the, the whole hive will be just mean, just mean hive. Um, if she's got good genetics, everybody will be happy. Um, if she's young and she's vivacious and vigorous, it's like all the bees are vigorous and just boom, 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 just going, going, going. If she's older and she's slowing down in life, it's like you can see it in the front of the hive. I mean, you can watch them coming and going. It's kind of like, whatever. Um, so a, super, a queen cell, that, like that little peanut-looking cell hanging down, if it's in this part of the frame, the top third, it's a supersedure cell. They want to replace the queen. They don't like their queen for some reason. She's not productive or something's wrong. Um, compare that with, okay, before we compare that with, oftentimes there will always be these queen cups al along the bottom or somewhere on the frame. Usually it's along the bottom. They're just these little, like, pea-sized cups. We call it a queen cup because it's empty. They just make these and they put them there just in case. You see there's several of them along the bottom of this frame on the picture here. They're no big deal. Don't get you know, panicked with queen cups. But keep an eye on them. Um, just take your little to hive tool and pop one open and look down inside. If there's no egg in there, it's fine. It's just they want a few queen cups. If you open a, a couple of them up and there's actually an egg in there, or you actually see what looks like cream-colored yogurt in there, and if you look carefully, there's a little larvae swimming in it, that's when they're starting to raise a queen. And if it's down here on the bottom edge, 
of the hives, usually the bottom part of the frame, maybe up on the sides a little bit, but anywhere down here, if you start seeing these queen cells starting to form, those are swarm cells. They want to leave home. And remember, how much did you pay for them? You may not leave. Yeah, I don't want them to leave because that's a lot of money. And, uh, but it's a natural process. That's how the Lord made these bees so that they will reproduce themselves. Uh, so these all down here are developed queen cells. Uh, and they're swarm cells because of where they're located. You see this one up here would be a supersedure cell. That's okay, they're gonna replace their queen. These down here, that means, so and typically the reason why they're gonna swarm is you're not keeping up with giving them enough space. What, what stimulates the urge to swarm is they've, they've grown to the point where they've, they've used all their space, all the frames are full pretty much, now it becomes a competition. You've got field bees bringing in nectar and honey, or nectar and pollen, and they're searching everywhere for a place to put this stuff. The queen is searching everywhere to find a place to lay eggs, and now they're like competing. And now it's getting crowded, and they recognize a little bit, that since there's so many bees in that hive, the, the CO2 uh, concentration is built up. They start feeling a bit claustrophobic, and okay, now it's, uh, we need to go. So the, the normal run of things is the bees will make some queen cells uh, down on the bottom, swarm cells, and they'll raise a bunch of queens. Sometimes it can only be one or two. Sometimes it's like 40s. Very, very rarely that many, but I have seen an awful lot of them. What will happen a day or two before these swarm cells hatch the, the resident queen will take about half the bees and they will just fly off. They'll usually only go 50 to 100 feet and they'll land in a tree or a side of a car, side of a fence, side of a building, just, or on a rock. They, but typically they'll just land and hang in a ball and they will send out scouts. And the scouts will go um, look at, at uh, potential places that they could move into. And they compare notes, they come back, they do a little dance, they tell everybody, we found a good location over here or over there. And uh, once they've decided, okay, we're gonna go to this new location, then that whole ball of bees will disintegrate into a big cloud of flying bees and they will drift off and go to their new home. Meanwhile, back at your hive, you've only got half the amount of bees that you paid for. And in a day or so, one of these queens, well, they're going to start hatching out. Uh, oftentimes, the first queen that hatches out will come through here and try to sting the others through the, through the cell wall. And if others do hatch out, they will find each other and fight to the death so that in the end, there's only one queen left. Um, so this is how oh, I was supposed to do that in class one. So. Uh, okay, so we've gone through, no, this is a good thing, it's okay. See how nice those bees are? See that? Um, like I said, I was really careful when I started keeping bees, it's like, I didn't want to stop. But after I did get stung, you know, it's like, okay, I keep bees. 
You're going to get stung. Get over it. Unless you react, then always wear the suit. But, but your body's going to go either two ways. It's going to either get over it or you're going to start getting a little bit of a, a reaction. And if you start getting reaction, then you do want to be more protective because you don't want to set your body off. If, if you do react, over time, you could go into a full-blown anaphylaxis. It's kind of nice to keep track of things um, so that if you're doing a bunch of hives, let's keep all the queens here, home. And let's take the split that doesn't have the queen somewhere else. Because see, if, if, if you just don't care and you just do it willy-nilly, then, well, half the queens are here, half the queens are there. And you want to be systematic. You want to be, you know, have order and regularity about what you do and, and just know the state of your, uh, there's a verse in Proverbs to, to know the, know the state of your flocks. Yeah, know what you what you got going here. It's pretty much the same everywhere. There's, there's a few differences here and there. <coughs> but uh, outside of that, it's, it's generally the same. Do you need a permit? Some states are really finicky about permits and raising bees. California, for example. California, for example. Because California has a lot of regulations, right? Yes. And, and that's not really stupid. I was, I was picking up a whole bunch of bee supplies in Dayton, bee supply Chico, a um, couple days ago. It was, no, it was uh, Monday. And I was talking to an older gentleman that had just come in out in the parking lot. He has 500 hives. And he's just getting eaten up with mites. He asked me, how many times do you treat for mites? And I says, well, in the spring and in the fall. He says, you know, I have to do it like every month. Because you think about this, and I was just reading this last night. California almond, popula almond fields or orchards need, what is it, like 2.5 million colonies to pollinate the almonds in this state. <laughs> so you get 90% of the commercial beekeepers in the United States all in this state this next month now let me ask you this question would you drink out of a community jacuzzi no. why not because it's gross <laughs> but essentially that's kind of what your bees are doing because you think about if my colony has an area that goes out two miles all the way around I've got a four mile circle that that my bees can forage in right if there's another apiary three miles down the road, which is not hard to do in the valley, with so many uh, uh, you know, orchards that need pollinated, you, when you start mapping it out, there's an unbroken chain of bee territory from the bottom of the, what do you guys call it, the valley. The valley, clear up to way up past Sacramento. Now think about this, you get 90% of the United States' commercial bees crowded into that area. If you've got one hive that has some freak out disease, guess what? They all overlap in their pollinating and the flowers they're going on to and so it's like they're drinking out of the swimming pool. 
And so those diseases, in the, and the mites especially, if you get one commercial beekeeper, or worse, sorry to say, it's the homekeeper that has one hive. They got the bees. <laughs> and, and we got a bee. You know, but they're not taking care of it. Their hive becomes a mite bomb that absolutely wipes, or, or is it, you know, it's a nucleus for mites for the commercial guy next door. Then the commercial guy gets it. When he's done with the almonds, he brings his thousand hives up to Washington to pollinate the apples. And guess what my bees get? A whole load of mites from you know, the, the incoming bees. So that's kind of how it all moves around. So you really want to watch it. And we'll hit the whole mite thing in a bit here. Is it time to break for class? OK. So let's take about a five minute break and Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Two and then two and then in the afternoon. We're good. So it is eleven twenty five and the class officially goes till <gasps> we get five more minutes, don't we? Huh. Don't go anywhere. Um Okay, so we talked about splitting. Let me just cover this one more thing. You can do the opposite of splitting, too. Let's say, let's say you've got two colonies that just aren't really doing much. One of them is okay. It's got a good brood pattern. The queen, the queen is doing what she's supposed to. She's got a good pattern. But it's just not, it's late in the year. It was a late swarm and whatever. It, it, it's not built up. And I've got this hive over here, or in another apiary, that has got a, it's got a real poor pattern. She's just not doing good at all. I will find this queen and I will pinch her throw away. And then I will close that hive up and I'll bring it over to this apiary and I'll combine the hives. But you just can't combine them because these bees are loyal to the queen smell th that they had. You put them on this hive and they're going to reject that queen. So what you do is you get a single sheet of newspaper that will cover the top of that and lay it over the top of that hive. Then you take your other box, set it on top of the newspaper, put the lid on, and walk away. The newspaper is going to give them a chance to smell each other, and they will get used to each other. And, they, and then one thing about bees is they do not like foreign debris or objects in their hive. And they'll start picking at that newspaper. And it'll take overnight or a, a day or two to pick that newspaper out and you'll see it coming out of the entrance of the hive as little crumbly newspapers. Um, but that will give them a chance to slowly over the course of a day get used to each other and by the time they break through that newspaper and start intermingling they'll all be buddies. They're all friends. We're all family. It's fine. And so you can, and so you can combine them into one colony. So splitting. Does that improve the health of that? So yeah, I mean, you, you've just now 
got a lot more bees. And what, rather than two weak colonies, you can make one reasonably substan substantial colony. Yes? Yep. Yeah, class number two is. So swarming, we talked about swarming. Well, so that's where we are this afternoon at 3 o'clock. You, you see how scary bees are? Good bees are just a delight to work with. Um, bad bees are kill a queen, replace her with nice genetics. Um, no, actually, this, these are not my kids. I just found these pictures, and I just like it because he's not afraid. I mean, that's just the awesome picture. That's just an awesome picture. When you talk about bad bees, what if you just pinch the queen from the bad bee hive and put another queen in? Would that change the personality of the hive? Yeah. So you can buy queens. Um, there's, there's a lot of different kinds of queens out there, and we'll talk little bit about this in the advanced class. Carniolans and Italians are the most common race of bees, but there's Russian bees. Um, Russian bees do really good in colder locations. They're also a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more fussy. They're not always nice. You know, <laughs> sorry anybody has Russian heritage. It's true. Um, uh, but they're good producers. Maybe not the nicest bees, but they're good producers and they overwinter well. Yes? Is it better to let them get the queen bee or is it better for you to provide So it depends. If it's a mean hive, you don't want them doing it. Yeah. Um, because you'll just get more mean genetics. Um, so, so what I'm going to do is... What I'm going to do, and this gets into the advanced class, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make my own queens. And I'm going to do it out of carefully selected hives that have proven themselves on gentleness, on production, on survivability. I'm going to look for just my very best, nicest. I mean, you know, if I can go up and kick the hive, I don't do that. They don't. You know, they're, they're like... What did you do that for? <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> they're, they're just really laid back bees, and it's no big deal. Have you actually done that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I haven't kicked it off the base like that because they, they take uh, stuff from trees called propolis. It's basically caulking, and, and that's what all this red stuff is up on top, the, the frame. But they stick the stuff all together. But, yeah, I come up and kick my hives. Often, I, I sometimes I do that in the morning just to... Are you guys in there? Come on, get up. Um, but they don't. Now, on an aggressive hive, that will they, uh, they will let you know. <laughs> don't do. Get out of here. <laughs> Leave us alone. Um, yeah, but I don't have any of this. But I've been around people that have bees that the only thing they can do is suit up to do their bees, and it's like that wouldn't even be worth it. I mean, I'm kind of spoiled, I guess. Yes. Yes. Pest coming up. Pest coming up. Yes. Yeah, if it's a nice hive and they've got ge good genetic. Okay, so there's kind of a trick to that. 
yes, they will raise, I'll let them raise their own queen. But bear in mind, the population of that hive is a product of not just that queen, but it's the drones that she's mated with. So if you've got one bad colony with bad genetics and they're just mean and ornery, those Jones could mate with her and you could get, and I've had that happen, that one mean hive, I used to name my hives and that one mean hive I had was named Jezebel. <laughs> and, and so what I did was I took that one up to my in-laws <laughs> and I had two, shh, don't tell anybody. Um, and I put two hives together and you know what? The, the hive next to it turned into Athaliah. It did. Eventually they requeened because I think she swarmed and she mated with, no doubt, Jezebel's drones because they both kind of got cranky. But over time, they, they died out and it's like, thank you. Um, all the, all, pretty much all the bees. I have some that are just like a little bit edgy, but they really survive well. So I'm like, I'm okay with that. So you would not recommend that someone first starting out with beehive when you start out, wear this stuff. Yeah. Yes, when you start out, get comfortable with what's going on and just the whole feel of things. First thing I want you to get rid of is the gloves. No, get rid of the gloves. And then if your bees are nice, now the bees, our time is up, isn't it? Um, well, it might be nice bees do things. Bees, they tell you, just like dogs and horses. They tell you, and they can sense what you're thinking. Um, when you open the hive, normally the bees will have their wings like this. If the bees on the top, they're looking at you, and they've got their wings jacked up like this. That's an F-16 fighter, wings down, <laughs> on the aircraft carrier, ready for the catapult. When they're looking at you and they've got their wings jacked up, or, or if they do this, if they do that, they're, they're telling you, go away, you're bothering, you make us nervous, go away. Um, those are signs that they don't, and then a little puff of smoke, and they will turn around and run down in the hive. So it's like, there, I'm the boss. <laughs> um, the other thing that they will do quite often is they will fly up and they will headbutt you. And, and it's, it's like, I don't want to shoot you. <laughs> um, they don't want to sting you. And so they will headbutt you. And you'll get that smell of the banana smell. It's a warning thing. But the one that stings you, you won't even see it. It'll just be like this little lightning, just like, bam, ow. Um, it'll just be really fast, and you, it's, you won't even see them. Because it will be the one that just comes out and just hits you. Just sting her first. Yeah. And it, yeah, and if you do this, that will just set them off even more. You know, it's it's like running from a wolf. Uh, if you start smacking around, the best thing if, like like I said, I this is what I wear when I get in a hive, and if it's like the wrong time of day, and I get in here and I realize that okay, there's a lot of aggressive foragers and defensive act activity going. I'll just 
I'll put my, sometimes I have to put my hands in front of my face like this, that kind of throws them off, and I'll just turn and walk away. And I'll just let them calm down, and then I'll pick up the lid, and then just hold the lid. It's like, okay, I'll do it tomorrow. But yeah, you learn the behavior, watch them, watch how they interact with you. Um, but if you give them no reason to fuss, I don't know if I have some pictures, but I've done a lot of removing bees out of walls and ceilings and floors and stuff. I've had some, just some of the nicest bees. I mean, you're in there tearing their nest apart, gently, but you're like knife and cutting, pulling out, and, and they're just like flying past you and just like, whatever. Oh, new home's here, oh, okay. And they come over here and move into the box that you're putting them into. Um, so it's not all fire and brimstone. They can be nice if you treat them nice. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you for coming. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.